You know, that's one of the biggest thrills when the fan will come up and say, hey, little Nate. Not, hey, aren't you the referee? It's pretty cool when they say little Nate because it was so long ago and something that people still remember. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Out of Character. I'm your host, Ryan Satin, here at Fox Studios, here to record another interview. And man, I'm so excited about who's on the show this week. So excited. Someone I've been watching pretty much my entire life. Well, don't I don't want to make him feel old. So I was a teenager. I was like close to being a teenager. But I've watched this man my entire fandom, and I'm so excited that we got him here on the show. The first referee on out of character charles robinson little nature senior smackdown official he's here on out of character and boy oh boy if you are a fan of pro wrestling you're gonna like this conversation so much cool stuff within this conversation he's the man well i guess rick flair is the man he's little man little nature and i'm so excited dude but before we get into that i gotta do a little bit of shilling here for the podcast feed. If you're watching this on video, if you're on the WWE on Fox YouTube channel, I appreciate you watching it on video very much. I hope you're subscribed as well to the channel. But if you're only watching the video version of this podcast and you're not subscribed to the added character feed, you're missing out on other stuff. I do a Raw and SmackDown roundup podcast every Monday, every Friday, breaking those shows down segment by segment where I'm giving you my thoughts on everything that happens. So make sure that you guys are checking those out because I really enjoy doing them. I enjoy the feedback. I read the reviews from Apple Podcasts on there. I appreciate those of you who are leaving those reviews. Appreciate all you in the comments here on YouTube as well. But please, if you're not subscribed to the Add a Character podcast feed, go check it out. I have a feeling you'll like it. If you don't, just don't tell me about it, but I think you will. All right, got all that out of the way. Here's the man that you are actually here to listen to, Lil Nate, Senior SmackDown official Charles Robinson. We're here to talk about the legend, not calling you old, but the legendary okay. uh, Charles Robinson. I want to, I, I, I have to alter my first question a little bit because I don't know if you necessarily are playing a, a character on TV currently. Uh, so I'm going to ask you this: uh, How would you describe your personality in real life? Very, very quiet, very introverted. Um, I don't like to talk about myself uh, when I'm in public. You know, I'll be with friends and they'll say, hey, this is Charles Robinson from WWE. And I'm saying, eh, we don't need to talk about that. You know, so um, I'm really introverted. I'm, you know, I love people. I love being around people, but I just don't like to talk about myself too much. So, you're so not, that you're makes this a little difficult, right? <laughs> I was going to say, well, <laughs> buckle in for the next 45 minutes. But <laughs> That's right, guys. Get ready. <laughs> but is that because you don't like being kind of like the center of attention? You're more of there, which would make sense in being a referee. You're kind of right. like the attention on other yeah. people. That's exactly right. You know, that has a lot to do with it. Um, I'd rather put over other people, you know, make, make them shine. Yes, that's, that's what I think we should do in life. I think uh, that makes a lot of sense. And, I, you know, but even though you'd call yourself, you know, an introvert and humble, uh, you do still appear to have like a real zest for life. When I've talked to you in person, just from following you on social media, right. you, you do seem to like 
as much as a, of an introvert as you are, you do seem to kind of like really enjoy just life. Oh, I love life. You know, there's so many things I like to do, but the things that I really love to do, I like to play disc golf on the side. So that's something I can do <laughs> by myself. Um, listen to albums. I'm a record collector. So I love to listen to albums, just sit in a room and listen to albums. So um, I love to do things like that. So things where I don't need to bother anyone else. Yeah, I, I feel that. That's why I'm a TV watcher. I'm, I'm like the same where I just want to watch my shows and get real into them. And, and I can do that Absolutely. by myself. I don't need to go to a bar to do that. So I, I totally oh, understand I hate bars. They're the worst, oh, right? I hate bars. Yeah. My, uh, my girlfriend, she loves Jimmy Buffett. And she goes, hey, let's go to a Jimmy Buffett concert. Hey, I love Jimmy's music, but I hate being around 15,000, 20,000 drunk people. You know, I just don't want to be in that crowd. I completely relate to that. And you then see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, when you're in a bar, it's loud. You can't talk to anyone. I just like, and I'm not flirting. Absolutely. I'm not flirting with anyone. I'm married. Like, you know, so, you know, yeah, they're the right. worst. Absolutely. I agree with you. Okay, so what you said you're a record collector. How many records do you know? Like, do you have an official total of records that you know you have? Yeah, I have about 1,500. Dang. Yeah, you know, probably 100 of those are George Michael and Wham. <laughs> Different versions. And uh, I love to collect stuff from Japan. So I have a source where I can get, get a lot of items imported from Japan for me. But I love all kinds of music. Country music, rock music, pop, yacht rock music. Um, from the seventies, you know, I just, I love all music. Yacht rock doesn't get enough credit. People don't talk about yacht rock. Enough. Absolutely not. Right. <laughs> I just watched a, 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 a documentary on TV. It was three parts and it was incredible talking about yacht rock for those that don't know, check out yacht rock. What's it the, is wonderful. What's the documentary you watched? I, I can't remember the name of it. I think it was on discovery or some other, some channel. Um, I was flipping through. I'm like you. I love to watch TV flipping through and also a three part series popped up and I sat there and watched it all. <laughs> You're like, hell yeah. No one's <laughs> talking about yacht rock on TV these days. I'm in. Yeah. Yeah. So then, okay, wait, 1500, a lot are George Michael and wham. How many? Like, Absolutely. How, how, I feel like there's not, how many albums do they even, I feel like how many albums of George Michael and wham do you have? Well, I have different versions, you know, yeah. Japan, um, Russia, Brazil, Mexico, uh, the UK pressings. Um, so I'll probably have five, six different ones of the same album, but a different pressing with a different cover. What was it about Wham that just immediately drew you to them? Because I feel like that's your that's your number one is Wham. Yeah, George Michael's my man. Um, <laughs> always loved Wham. Wake me up before you go, go. Everything she wants, careless whisper. Uh, I just like the music like the style um i thought he was a cool good looking guy so that's why i loved him because i feel like you're the one person who's really keeping the wham memory alive like you don't like there's not a t like deadheads they've got a whole you know they've got a whole following of deadheads yes you don't see a ton of like wham fanatics anymore no well if you if you ask anybody at wwe every year at christmas i make a wham a George Michael, Charles Robinson Christmas card um, and hand them out to everybody. So uh, I've been doing that ever since he passed away in 2016. And it's something for everyone to look forward to every year. I always say that the, <laughs> it's, 
like especially because I'm a wrestling fan. Uh, there's right. the, when when George Michael covered uh, "Don't Let the Sun Go Down on Me." There's that part right. in the song because it's live where he introduces Elton John when he goes, "Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Elton John," and the crowd goes, "Ah!" When they realize he's they go there. crazy. It's one of my favorite moments in music because I like yes. the pop for. Elton, when he comes out, is just deafening. Like, you don't even hear stuff like that anymore, how excited people were they were doing that together. Yeah, and he did a really great cover during the Freddie Mercury tribute show, uh, Somebody to Love. Fantastic cover of Somebody to Love by George Michael. Yeah. One day, I yeah, he's a... I'm glad that someone keeps his memory alive because he was a super talented dude. I try. <laughs> <laughs> Due to the cringe of my daughter and my girlfriend, I still try to do it. Yeah, but it's what you love. Like, because honestly, you could laugh. Like, people could laugh. Oh, Wham or oh, George Michael. But like, I'm 36 years old, and I still talk about how much I love pop punk music from when I was in high school. And I jokingly right. like best, you know, best genre of all time. But it's just because it connected with me at the time. Right. And who did you like back then? Who was your favorite? Oh man, there's so many. I mean, like I'd say, I mean, my number one, but they kind of got canceled. They were, it was brand new for a long time. It was, you know, Newfound Glory. It was okay, you know, like all those kinds of bands that were like pop punk bands at the time. Uh, RX, okay, RX yeah. Bandits, but like they're not as, they didn't, they were not as iconic as George Michael and 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 Wham for sure. But they 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 resonated right. with me. But we'll. We're here to talk about you. I know you're trying to turn it around on me, which is what you said you do, but I'm going to turn it right back <laughs> around on you. Okay. Uh, uh, I want to know, where'd you grow up? I uh, grew up in Mooresville, North Carolina. Um, I was here my entire life until I graduated high school in 1982. 1982, I joined the Navy. Uh, went into the Navy for six years, and I was on submarines for that time, Crazy. which was incredible. And Lived all over, mainly in Charleston, South Carolina. But uh, Mooresville is is my hometown, and I split my time between Mooresville and Charlotte now. Well, this explains the the Rick the Rick Flair obsession that that explains it. Absolutely. I mean, back in the seventies, that's when I first started watching wrestling. It was Jim Crockett Promotions, Mid Atlantic Championship Wrestling. Flipped on the channel. The very very first person I saw was Rick Flair. And from that moment, I was hooked. Um, you know, just loved everything about the nature boy. Yeah, uh, he was the man back then. Not to be cliche, but he was definitely the man back then. He's more the man now, though. Everything that he has going on with all of his endorsements and everything. Uh, I think he's probably a little bit more relevant now than he was back in the 70s and 80s. Well, I mean, even in even in where you grew up, I feel like he's kind of like a god over there to some degree. Abs you know, absolutely. The, the professional wrestlers back in that time, we had no basketball team. We had no football team. Professional wrestling was the sport. Um, if they walked into any bar or any restaurant, they got the best service possible than anybody. Uh, they didn't wait in line, I'll tell you that. So wait, okay, I want to before because I want to get into your start in wrestling, but you said something there that sure. I didn't that I didn't really know about the submarine stuff. So how long how what was the longest you were on a submarine for? Well, the type of submarine that I was on was a Polaris missile submarine. So we would go out for three month tours. We'd go out to sea, we would go down, and we would stay there for three months, wow. then we'd pop up and go back in. Um, 
they had two types of submarines, the, the missile submarines and then the fast attacks. The fast attacks had, they hit ports all the time. They'd go to, to the Mediterranean uh, and hit ports. We would go down and stay under. Damn. It was so bad, in fact, I had my own tanning lamp, you know, because you tend to get a little pale. So I had a tanning lamp so I'd keep a suntan while I was under there. I love that that was one of the important <laughs> things for you was to make sure that you had a tan in your submarine. You had to look good when you came back in. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be styling and profiling when we get up uh, above. You got that right, 100%. <laughs> so wait, what's that like for three months under that? I couldn't even fathom being underwater for three months. You know, it's an amazing feeling, especially when you're on the surface and right before you dive, they, they hit the alarm. Booga, booga, dive, dive. And then you start going under and it gets deadly quiet. Just a calmness comes over the whole boat. And, um, you know, it's just like being in a room. You don't even think that you're 500 feet underwater or 1,000 feet underwater. Uh, you're so busy working, doing drills, doing maintenance on your equipment, uh, play, playing war. There's a zone down in the Bahamas uh, where we'd take the submarine down and shoot missiles and we'd shoot the uh, torpedoes, which was my job. My job was to track enemies and then to actually fire the torpedoes. Wait, that's so crazy. Okay, wait. I got a lot of questions now. Okay, so wait. Okay, that's so, okay. Okay, so you were going like just to test, like 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 it was a what war would be like when you were down there, basically. Abs absolutely, play war. And then you were the one actually, like, if it had come down to it, you were the one who was going to have to, like, push the torpedo buttons? Push the torpedo button. It's a little handle. You pull okay. it back, and then you push it over this way. I like how in my mind it's just it a red incredible. button. It's like in the movies, like, don't push the red button. <laughs> like, that's what I, I just picture a big red button. But a, yeah. a lever makes yeah, a lot more button, sense. Yeah, the, the, the red button might be for the missiles. I didn't mess with the missiles. Uh, ours was strictly for defense of our ship whereas the missiles were protection of the whole country crazy if that's... that makes any sense yeah yeah no that, that makes perfect sense what you're saying yeah yeah definitely definitely man that's crazy so then okay so you finish that and that's when you're like okay i'm done shooting torpedoes i'm gonna get into wrestling well yeah i wanted to go and try out for the navy seals okay you know i think only five or ten percent of the people that actually try out make it but I wanted a challenge and on a submarine, because you have a small crew, you have many jobs. I was a physical fitness coordinator. I was a small arms petty officer. I was the barber. I used to cut people's hair. If you can believe that. So make <laughs> sure you stay on my good side. I actually had an XO. Now don't tell anybody this. I had an XO and he was being a little rude to me. So when I went to cut his hair, I cut it a little bit too high in the back. <laughs> your secret safe. Your secret safe with all of us. My Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but you, but you did so many different jobs, and he wanted me to stay on the submarine, and I said, "Nope, not going to do it." So I got out, and honestly, I got tired of keeping my hair so short. I got written up so many times for having too long of hair. That was hey, he does he does a good job. He's a good sailor, but he needs to maintain a proper military haircut. He's got a good tan. He does all good his tan. work. <laughs> it's just that hair. That guy can't yes. cut his hair. 
I can't cut my hair. <laughs> so um, then what happened with the Navy SEALs? Um, they wouldn't let me try out for it. The, the commanding officer would not give me a recommendation. Dang. So I just said, I'll just get out. Dang. So, so I got out. So then how long? Wonderful experience. Yeah, I mean, it sounds Absolutely like it. wonderful experience. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you enjoyed yourself there. I mean, it's definitely, God, I can't imagine that's such a life experience that you got to have that most people don't have. Absolutely. And, you know, and that was back in the 1980s. I was on the submarine from 82 to 88. And there's actually a couple guys that I still keep in touch with. So I think that's pretty neat talking about what types of friends that you can make in your life and, and in the military. Okay, so then you get out in 88. Got when, out in 88. When does wrestling get involved? Oh, a long time from there. I sold Toyotas for a year. Then Hurricane Hugo hit Charlotte. And then I started selling vinyl siding, replacement windows for Sears Home Improvements. Uh, and I did that until 1996, into 97. And then to get into wrestling, we had a small wrestling promotion here in Charlotte. It was, it was ran by George South, which everyone knows George South. Yep. And the Italian Stallion, it was called the PWF, Professional Wrestling Federation. And another one of my collateral duties, just to make this make sense, I was a photographer okay. as well. So I went to them and said, hey, I was a photographer in the military. How would you like me to take photos for you? And they said, that would be a fantastic idea. So I started doing photos. I sent them into the wrestling magazines when we used to have wrestling magazines, you know, PW Insider, Inside Wrestling, The Wrestler. I would send photos in and get those published. But one week, I think we were in Lincolnton, North Carolina, and there was a match. And they said, Charles, would you do us a favor? We want to work you into a storyline and bring you back as a special guest referee just to try to get a little talk. So I had a camera with a flash on it. I took the picture. The hill was blinded. He rolled back. The baby face rolled him up. Hill lost, of course. He got mad at me, came out, beat me up, threw my head into the post. I got color. I was bleeding, <laughs> which was incredible. First time I ever got color. And uh, I cut a little promo, and I came back the next week as a referee. And they said, Charles, you did pretty good. I said, well, I've been watching Tommy Young my entire life, you know, learning from the best. I said, how would you like to come back next week, and we'll give you a hot dog and a Coca-Cola to work for us? Classic. And I, and I was in. <laughs> so I started, I started doing that on weekends. And I did that for maybe a year, year and a half. And I would send in uh, videotapes or uh, send letters to Terry Taylor, who was head of uh, talent relations, I guess, with WCW at the time, because I was a big NWA wrestling fan. That's what I grew up with. And um, I bothered him so much. They showed up in Charlotte for Nitro. I think it was September 17th, 1997. And I saw him and I said, hey, Terry. How you doing? You've been getting my tapes. You've been getting my letters. He goes, oh, man. <laughs> Charles Robinson. All right, Charles, you have your gear. I said, I have my gear. And they gave me a tryout, and it was with Chris Adams and Kendall Wyndham. And I got hired from that. They said, hey, show up in Orlando at the Universal Tapings, and uh, 
that's how it all started. But Terry Taylor's the man that got me in the door. I feel like, you know, you always hear that saying persistence pays off and some people just kind of blow it off, but it's yeah. so true. No. Like that's the only way you're going to get opportunities is by persistence. Absolutely. And that's whether before there was internet while, you know, early internet now internet it's persistence pays off for, for everything. It, it is. People always say, Hey, what's the one thing I can do? I said, be persistent. Let them know you're there. If you, if you don't stay on top of them, They'll forget who you are. I would rather for them to be mad and say, man, that Charles Robinson, what a pain in the butt. Instead of saying, who are you? <laughs> Such right? a good, yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. Absolutely. They're not going to hire you if they don't know who you are. A absolutely. A absolutely. It's why some people say, you know, it's better to have people talking about you than nobody talking about you at all. Amen. And I'll take the good and the bad. Yes. Mostly bad, but I'll take both. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard one bad thing about you like ever. You're like one of the most, you seem to be like one of the most liked people. Well, thank you very, very much. I try to, I try to keep my nose down and stay out of trouble as much as I can. So when you started in WCW, because you were such a yes. fan, did you have to hide your fandom at all? Because I feel like it was a very different business back then. I mean, I kept my, seriously, I kept my nose down. <clears throat> Excuse me. I listen. I have two ears and one mouth. So I listen twice as much as I talk, um, especially not so much now. But back then, I certainly did. Uh, people would say, just keep your mouth shut. Listen to what we have to tell you. And we'll teach you what to do. And we'll teach you the way to do it right. And that's what I did. But hey, anytime I was around the four horsemen, yeah, I was a I was a fan. Well, I was going to ask that. So, like, do you remember the first time you saw Ric Flair backstage? Um, you know what? He, he was at that Nitro uh, taping or the live Nitro because yep. they were all live. Um, you know, I saw him there, but I didn't say a word for him. But was you it know, kind until... of like a – I picture you seeing Ric Flair in that moment is like when you see a movie and it's like, oh when they see like a big gold light goes over them you know like that was your hero he was but i had met rick several times okay. throughout my childhood and growing up i mean i bought him a coca-cola in rocky mount north carolina it was a match rick flair against wahoo mcdaniels and during their mission i ran down there rick flair nature boy he goes go buy me a coke kid and he gave me a dollar bill and i went up and got him a coke and it was 75 cents, I believe, and he let me keep the quarter. That's awesome. That's awesome. I was so excited. Yeah, you know? see, that's the moment I was wondering. Yeah, because I didn't realize you had already seen him times before that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I used to, before, you know, now when you go to a show, everybody has a poster. Well, in the 70s, no one carried a poster. So I would make these elaborate posters with, with sequins and glitter and rhinestones on them. And they would always be for the nature boy, of course. And people would hate me. My grandfather was a Charlotte. Uh, he worked for the Charlotte Police Department. And it got so bad at a point where they would have police officers escorting me around so I wouldn't get beat up. <laughs> because I, I did tend to talk too much back then. <laughs> this explains I'd how... Doing, I'd be doing all that and woo, woo, woo. This definitely explains why, why, why being little nature boy came so natural to you. Absolutely. And, and that was, wow, what a blessing 
and a curse in a way. You know, Kevin Nash came to me. He's the one that came up with this idea. He came to me. He said, hey, Charles, what do you think if we bring you in and you wrestle and you get beat by a girl? I said, well, he goes, we'll give you a robe. We'll give you boots. We'll give you tights and we'll pay you $10,000. I said, I'm in. Let's do it. So uh, that's where the whole little nature boy uh, persona came from. Even though, you know, I was a little nature boy way, way before that. Uh, in junior high school, that's the first time that my hair, which is naturally blonde, that's the first time I bleached it. Um, and I used to wear warm-up jackets with nature boy on the back with all the rhinestones and all the sequins. That's great. I love it. I love it that you – because it's literally like you – not a lot of people get to live their dream in that kind of way. Like you literally got to just like, not just work with your hero, but you got right. to emulate your hero. Like I was watching Emulating. the match. Like I was watching it last night again. I mean, I watched it when it happened back way back when, but like I watched it again last night and just there's right. so many funny spots where you're literally like both doing the exact same thing right after each other. And it looks so funny right. where it's like one of you does it first, then the other does it first and you're going back and forth yeah. and you're it's, it's so perfectly done. Yeah. How many people could have dreamed of being a tag team partner with Ric Flair? Um, that, that was, that was incredible. You know, I even had the tape on my fingers the way that he did. Um, and we did, we did the quarter flips. We did the slams off the top. We did the double clothesline. And of course the finish was the big elbow drop by Randy Savage. And everyone knew <laughs> that Ric Flair wasn't going to take the elbow drop from Randy Savage. <laughs> I was the sacrificial lamb, <laughs> you which can, of course put me in the hospital for two weeks. Yeah, I was just going to say, you can see, I, I also rewatched that and you can see you're immediately in pain when you take that elbow drop and it's not just selling. No, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pretty good seller, but uh, <laughs> that's good. I uh, Initially, I thought that the air had been knocked out of me. And I went up to my room, and about an hour later, I still couldn't breathe. So I called Jimmy Hart, and um, he came up. He goes, I think we need to get you to the doctor. So they called the EMTs up. They put me on a stretcher, and they took me to the hospital. Uh, I had a um, cracked sternum and collapsed lung and some broken vertebrae, cracked vertebrae. And unfortunately, the, the hospital there sent me home the next day back to Charlotte on an airplane, which oh. I don't think you're supposed to fly with a collapsed lung. That sounds, yeah, I don't think that's safe at all. <laughs> no. So I landed, I went straight to the hospital just to get checked out and they admitted me and I was there for uh, like 12 days. Dang. How long, yeah. how long did you have to recover from that? I was out for, I think three months. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was supposed to, from, from what I was told, I was supposed to team with Rick for the whole summer. Um, so could you imagine that? But, Aww. you know, it's it's sort of a blessing because how do you come back and be a referee after that? True, true. But, you know, I will so, say my favorite thing about your in-ring style in both those matches was that because you're a referee, not only were you emulating Ric Flair, but because you're a referee – 
It was right. so funny to watch you take advantage of the rules to such an extreme amount because you knew the rules so well being a referee. Like, all your cheating, cheating like Ric Flair style was done effortlessly right. because, like, even right to the last second on the five count, like, holding him on the ropes and then bringing him right back because yeah. you knew what would and wouldn't get you disqualified. And I was like, right. man, he was, that was some good psychology at play there. Yeah. Hey, that makes me the second dirtiest player in the game right yes exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> but i can see because right because when you came back the little nature boy stuff was completely dropped after that right it was dropped it was dropped they were they were famous for forgetting things ever happened <laughs> yes because it's funny that you had because what how long were you really like little nature boy for i think it started it was probably Four months, maybe. And then it's last year. I've been trying to figure all that out, you know, go back and watching the shows, but maybe four months. And it's lasted now. You've had that nickname now for what, 20 years 24 now? 24 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. It's just I, a, it was such a memorable it, thing. Yes, it was. It's, you know, that's one of the biggest thrills when the fan will come up and say, hey, little Nate, not, hey, aren't you the referee? Aren't you? It's pretty cool when they say Lil Nate because it was so long ago and something that people still remember. And I don't care what people say. I think that angle, you know, with Rick being in the uh, asylum and me being the vice president of WCW and then he's away. So now I'm really the president. Maybe that's why we went out of business. I don't know. <laughs> um, you know, that was one of the better storylines for that year. Yeah, definitely one of the most memorable. You know, I'm wondering, because you got so injured at the end of the tag match that was on Nitro. Yes. But you were teaming with your hero. Was yes. that still the highlight of your career, would you say, even though you got massively hurt at the end of it? Absolutely. 100%. <laughs> I would like to have done more, but that was the highlight. And Rick was so, everyone involved, you know, from Savage to Piper, because, um, you know, I fired Piper. Because I was Charles, I was in charge. Um, I got to work with all these great guys that worked so well with me and gave me advice and led me. Um, I what I did was nothing. They made it look so good. When I was rewatching, and it last I believe night, that one hundred percent. When I was rewatching it last night, it just made me miss Macho Man, dude, because he was just so good. Me too. You know, and he used to. People say things about him, but he called me almost every day that I was in the hospital to check on me. Um, so that was a good feeling especially, that he would do that, especially someone on his level. Like he didn't have to do that. No, but he was so big at that time. You know, he was probably pushing 300 pounds and he was protecting his hip and he just, he came down right on me. He landed on me and nobody told me what to do, you know, to do this. I was just laying here flat. Um, so I took the brunt of it. Yeah. I think so it was my fault for I, not asking. And, and ultimately, when you see that, you go, you know, a lot of people will go, like, we'll talk crap about wrestling. Or even, like, an elbow drop is something, like, people do to their friends or whatever. But, like, yeah. when you go, like, you could really get hurt on an elbow really, drop. And, really, And you're, you're proof of it, you know? You know, one of, my, one of my jobs within the WWE, I set up the ring. And every, every week that we set up you have one of the stage hands hey man let me jump off the top rope this is so it's like a trampoline and then once we get it built and they fill it and how it's built with very minimum padding 
they always change their mind. They don't want to do it. Yeah, I they don't. The first time I went to a PWG show where like you're sitting right next to the ring, it's like the first time I right. really got to like feel what impact was like because for some reason when every when there's like, a cool thing that happens at the old building, everybody would get mm -hmm. up and they'd start, you know, hitting the the ring apron or whatever. And I remember the first time I did it all excitedly and I was like, "Yep." Ow! Like my wrist exactly. I almost broke my wrist doing it. Yeah, you know, we have a, um, for our, our live events, we have a VIP superstar experience uh, that people can pay extra for, and they get to come to the ring and take a picture around it. And the people in charge, Billy, he'll have them slap the ring, and every person, they're shocked how hard the ring is. They're shocked how hard the ropes are, how tight they are. Yeah, it's, it's people definitely underestimate it. Well, okay, so I want to know, um, so you were this, you were big. You were part of WCW. You know, you were ingrained in WCW. You had grown up watching WCW. How did you feel? Yeah, did their last match? Did their last match? I'm did, not bragging, but did, I did their last match. Did the last match? <laughs> well, then how? So then, how did you feel then when WCW got bought out by WWE? Um, I was sad because I knew there would be friends that I would never see again, but I was excited about the prospect of maybe having a job with WWE. Um, that happened in April. I didn't get a call until July to show up. So I was off April, May, June, uh, digging ditches, building patio decks, uh, hard manual labor. You hopped right back. Really you hopped right back into doing that right when WCW went out of business. Absolutely. I mean, what are, what are you going to do? Stay around with no paycheck and not do anything? You have to prepare in case. Things don't work out the way you want them to. But you thought maybe um, you were going to leave wrestling if WWE didn't come calling? Where else was there to go? I guess, I mean. Right? You I know, guess you had already reached the point. pinnacle, so you don't want to go, like, back down, I guess. Um, You know, I wasn't even thinking about because uh, TNA was around then, right? Mm, no, they, they came up a little they, later. They started I feel like well, when WCW see. goes out of business, there's ECW around. And then right. there's just indies and stuff. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then. Which on the indies back then, you couldn't make a living. Okay. You know. Um, you know, I did a couple spot shows for some charities and things like that. But, you know, you, you make 50 bucks, 100 bucks or whatever. Uh, not enough to pay the bills. So yep. I knew I had to get a regular, regular job. And that's what I did. And then my first day back was July the 2nd, 2001. Uh, Tacoma, Washington. I remember that because it's my birthday. Nice. So it makes it it's a good birthday easy. gift. Yes. Yeah, it's a good birthday gift. A great birthday, wonderful birthday gift. And that was, that was my first time back. So then you're walking into WWE for the first time. Are you nervous? Are you excited? Like, what are you, what are you feeling when you walk in the doors? Well, of course you're nervous because you don't know what to expect. But all the referees there, they were fantastic. Um, you know, whenever someone comes from the outside, you really standoffish anyway, but these guys were really good. You had Jack Doan, you had Chad Patton, um, who were fantastic. They, they actually taped me up. This is actually pretty good. They taped me up, and they had one of my fingers. I'm not going to do it on here because I don't know if I'm allowed to, <laughs> but it was pointing up, and they put a sign on me. Guess what the sign said? What did it say? The Rock Who? <laughs> So they taped the rock who on my chest and they pushed me in a chair and introduced me to Dwayne the rock 
Johnson. So that was my introduction to The Rock. That's got to be the best. The Rock who? That's the best Rock introduction story I've ever heard. Isn't that great? What did he say say back to you when he saw you like that? I think he said something along the lines of, you're going to know who I am (laughs) soon. Amazing. He gave me the little, he gave me the little eyebrow. (laughs) That's that's great. That's great. I, uh, man, that's awesome. Well, 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 so what was that? I mean, was that first year for you? Like, cause how long did you get signed for when you first got brought in? Um, I think initially it was three year contract. Okay. So then, okay. I got signed. Okay. I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I was very, very comfortable. We all worked very, very well together. I like the other referees. A few of them were on the ring crew and I would hang out with them and help them build the ring and tear down the ring. And they let me travel with them and stay with them to save money because, you know, as a lot of people know, uh, if you're not on a production crew, you pay for your own cars, you pay for your own hotel rooms. So these guys took me under their wing and they let me stay with them just as long as I helped them work. That's great. Were there any other wrestlers who kind of like made you feel welcome when you first came in? Um, you know, not, not really. Um, everyone was really, really nice. I've never made it a point to hang out with the wrestlers too much. Um, I'd rather hang out with my referee guys. I have a lot more in common with them. Um, I get a little intimidated being around the wrestlers with their, in such good shape and such. So it makes it, makes it a little bit hard in that aspect, but everyone was really, really nice. There's no one that I can point out that was difficult to get along with or that was not nice i just always wonder what that was like because i feel like you know if and for the people who like didn't live in that time period and didn't experience it like there really was like this battle between companies it felt like and it did seem like there was like people talking crap on each other so then when they right. had to merge i always wonder like what that merging process was like because i feel like there were some people who were like well we don't like wcw well, and I'm sure that that happened, but nothing was ever, ever said to me about that. I mean, we had a product to put on TV and everybody wanted to be the best that it could be. So I think everybody put personal feelings aside and did their job. So, okay, then I'm, I'm going to move to this then. Uh, okay. You've been watching wrestling since when? 74, 75, 74, 75 to now yep. from your perspective, how has the art of being a pro wrestler, pro wrestling referee evolved from when you first broke in to now? That hasn't changed really at all because as I said, mentioned earlier, I watched Tommy young. Uh, he was my referee hero. Um, I always thought that he was the very, very best. So I watched to see what he would do what you would do to stay out of the way. Um, his reactions, he would react to things that would happen in the ring. And I know I tend to over, <laughs> overreact sometimes, but uh, I don't think the art of refereeing has changed one bit in the last 50 years. You're there to make a three count. You're there to call a disqualification and keep law and order in the ring. So in that aspect, it's exactly the same. Well, okay. So if you were training a new referee, then what would you tell them is the most important thing to know while in the ring? Is it staying out of the way? Cause you just mentioned that. Right. I mean, staying out of the way is very, very important, but it's also important to maybe treat it 100% legit. 
if it's a real contest, what would you really do? And that's what we try to do, all of us, um, as a group. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that does that, does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, of course. Because you, know? you want to have you want to bring a sense of legitimacy to the, to what you're refereeing, right? And you know, it's unless you're really going to be three counting people, it's really hard to stop. Because I always hear the big thing. I always hear, hey, if he doesn't kick out, count three. That's one of the hardest things to do, um, and make it look natural. Um, hopefully everybody will get their shoulder up, but that's the hardest thing to do is when somebody doesn't kick out is to make that three count. Yeah, I can imagine. I feel Cause, like, cause, you know, you're anticipating doing the stop or doing the swoop every which way is your method. Um, some people like to stop right above. Some people like to swoop. I'm, I'm a swooper. If I think that it's not the finish, I'm going to swoop. <laughs> yes, definitely. I was watching... I was on my Twitch channel. I was watching old wrestling for a, a while back, and uh, we were watching okay. this company from Argentina called Titanus and El Ring, and it was so weird to me. It was the first time I had ever seen a referee. It was the weirdest count that they did. They would they wouldn't get down on the or either they would get down. I feel like some other ones have done this too, but where they're not right. slapping the mat, they're like they're doing like a kind of like a chop wow. type move. And I was like, what's I've that? I've never ever seen that. It was I've so, never seen it that. It was so weird, dude. It was like a one, two, without getting down on the ground. I had also never seen it. We were all blown away by it. Yeah, I, I never want to do that. I don't like getting down and, and counting. Oh, it <laughs> my, was. My, my arm may be sore at the end of the night, but I'd rather get down and count. Yeah. Oh, it was so much less dramatic. We were definitely like, yeah. oh, what's, why is he doing that? He shouldn't, he shouldn't his hand be hitting the mat. Yeah. Yeah. I saw a world class match. Um, that we had on Peacock, and it had two referees in the ring for some reason. I did not understand that at all either. Yeah. Because they were just getting sort of in the way of each other. And then one would get down to count, then the other one would get down to count. It just It's weird. It no, sense. no, it doesn't make sense. I've yes. seen those. I watched some of those too when I was watching the old wrestling, and it was like, oh, that's – that's interesting. I don't know if that's needed, but that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was David Manning and, and Bronco. Uh, what's his last name? Bronco. Uh, Rocco Rollerball, mm. right? Is that his name? Yeah. What are, I, I, I can't remember his last name, but you know who I'm talking about. Did I say the right name? Now I'm wondering. <laughs> Look oh, Rollerball Rocco. That's what it is. I said Rocco Rollerball. Rollerball Rocco. Is that who you were talking about? That sounds right. It might we'll, be. We'll go yeah, with that. that right? no we'll question. go with we'll that. We'll go with it. We're right. Nobody Google it. Nobody doing research. <laughs> We're right. <laughs> um, you know, I think one of the only things I've really noticed in terms of WWE and, like, only real change I've noticed over the years as a fan okay. is, like, they used to say everyone's names a lot more and kind of, like, have more personality to the referees. They all kind of had their own right. personalities. And I feel like now we don't see that as much. I agree. Um, you know, they're, they're getting where they say our names more now. Yes. Um, you know, I, I watched, I was at home this week and I watched SmackDown on Fox, of course. And, um, you know, they said the referee's name, you know, they said uh, Jessica's name. They said Jason's name, Dan Engler. They said everyone's name, which was pretty, pretty cool to hear. Yeah, I missed it because for a long time they didn't. And I've definitely noticed since Triple H took over, like, the slowly right. saying people's names again. And I like it so much just because, I don't know, I think everyone's kind of like a character on this show, whether, you know, whatever, it's k or not. But, like, you're all part of this TV yeah. show. So I, I, I like when 
each referee has a little bit of personality to yeah. them. Yeah, and I wouldn't mind like if during a championship match when they do the old school introductions, if they fed in your official for this event is, you know, Dan Engler or, or whatever, Charles Robinson. Then put our Instagram on there, you know, get some more followers, <laughs> uh, something like that. <laughs> something like that'd be pretty cool. Uh, but would, not for every match, just like for the old school introduction matches. Would you like to see referees eventually get inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame? Absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a long list of guys that should be in. I would love to see a Timmy White or a Jimmy Corderas um, in there and Nick Patrick, Tommy Young. There are so many that deserve to be in there. Lastly, on the topic of referees, since you've been sure. doing it for so long, uh, what's your biggest pet peeve that you see new referees do? Um, biggest pet peeve that I see... Well, if it's a, <clears throat> excuse me, if it's like a no DQ match or no rules match and they're telling the guys to get in the ring or they're counting or something, that <laughs> drives me crazy. And you know who I'm talking about if you're watching. <laughs> um, that's one of the big pet peeves that I have. Um, I just like to see, like when we're counting, a lot of guys count down low to their side, like if they're in the ropes, I'd rather see it up high. That way, everyone in the arena can see it. Um, just small things like that. Yeah, nope, that makes sense. That makes sense. You know, we, no. played, we played it on the screen a couple times, but I wanted to talk to you about the infamous run down the ramp at WrestleMania 24. You had, to, me go. <laughs> you had to have been so tired by the time you got to that ring. I know you're in shape, but man, that was a run. That was a fantastic run. You know how many memes have been made from that video? It's pretty incredible, especially after the pandemic. Uh, people going back to the gym. This is how I am going back to the gym after the pandemic. Um, yeah, I was totally blown up. I was worried the whole time running down that I was going to trip and fall. Uh, sort of like our, our friend Titus did for the Rumble. But I stayed on my feet. Thank goodness. Uh, but that, that was an incredible moment for me yeah dude it's got i feel like besides right? little nature boy you're that run down the ramp is like you said it's one you can't go a week on the internet without seeing that gif or that video right. used for somebody's meme or joke or whatever yes yes it's it's pretty cool that people take the time to make a meme out of that yeah i think that's actually very 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 humbling in fact really would yeah i would imagine yeah. so yeah you know, that people would take time of their, out of their day to actually do something like that. I feel like you Fans are incredible. They'll, they'll do all kinds of, of neat things. Well, I mean, you were a fan and you ma made those sequined signs. So it, it's, it's, it still continues to this day. Like, I, I agree. Some of the things you see wrestling fans make, you're just like, man, that is, they have so much talent there. Yeah, they do. Um, speaking of, you said making those signs. If you go back to Slambury 96... I think that's the one that was at Tampa Bay. You'll see me. I made a life-size Ric Flair poster, and I was on the front row, and they actually put it on TV. So that was my first time being on TV. I think it was 96, maybe 95, 96 when they were in Tampa Bay. Well, I'm 100% going to go back and find that. Go back I, and check that out. I want to see that. That's amazing. And that's so awesome because, you know, you're this big fan. It's 96. 
you got to sign. And what, three years later after that or whatever, four, three years, depending on what year right. it is, you're tagging or wrestling. You know, you're out there with Ric Flair, wearing the robe, doing the whole thing. Yeah. Like, I'm someone who gets really excited when someone just kind of, like, makes the decision to go follow their dreams, you know, to go do the thing that would make them happy. And so to see that you had that quick of a – once, you know, it happened, that you were eventually there with your idol, it's just so cool to me. It is, you know, and I'm, I'm very, very lucky, very, very blessed. Right place, right time. And I think one of the main reasons – you probably remember Brian Hildebrand, yep. Mark Curtis. Um, absolutely a Hall of Famer in my book. Uh, he was sick with cancer, and that's probably the main reason they brought me in is to put me in his place while he was getting his treatments before he came back and was able to work. Dang, yeah. But I wanted to mention Brian because, you know, um, he was such a great guy and we were such good friends. Yeah, RIP for sure. Yeah, that's a that was sad for sure. I remember that when I was younger. Yes. Yeah, but like, what you know? Before we end, because we're getting close to the end of the time, and I have a few more quick questions. But I, I got past sure. it when we were on the topic earlier. Was there like one thing? Because you said you were selling cars, you were doing all these jobs or whatever, and then eventually you said, okay, I'm gonna reach out to this this uh, wrestling promotion. Was there something that happened or anything that made you go, you know what? I'm not gonna be happy unless I try to get involved in wrestling, and you decided to just make the move for it. Well, I got divorced. <laughs> that'll do it. That'll that'll do it. <laughs> the first one. <laughs> Truly living that Ric Flair lifestyle over there. That's right. That's right. So, you know, I got divorced and I was a little depressed and I was flipping through the channels and I saw George South and the Italian Stallion on TV. And that's how I discovered that they were in the Charlotte area. So um, that's what it was. Watching 1 a.m. in the morning. Uh, local access TV, and I saw those guys, and there was my path. I love it. I love it. Yeah, Carmelo Hayes was on the show yeah. a few weeks ago, and he said the same thing of, like, I got sad over a breakup, and then I was like, yeah. I'm going to make the best version of myself, and that's what I've done ever since, and now I'm here. And I was like, hell yeah, that's what you like to hear that's in that pretty, situation. That's pretty damn good, right? Yeah, yeah, yes, definitely. All right, well, we've reached the end of the show here, but I like to end. What? Well, we got one. So soon? Well, we got a what? We've got one more. Quick I did segment. my hair. <laughs> I did my hair for this. What are you talking about? <laughs> well, we've got we've got one more segment left. We've got one more segment. Okay. I like to end every episode of the show with a segment that I call. There it is, the finishing move. The finishing move. It was okay. A, we're close enough on the timing there, but uh, you don't have a finishing move, but you have seen finishing moves. You've been on the receiving end of some. Uh, what's the, I know the number one worst because we already talked about it, but what's the second worst move that you've been on the receiving end of? Uh, power bomb, Sid Vicious. Ooh. Look it up. When was that? He folded me. It was probably 98. Okay. 99 on YouTube. Someone did a video of Charles Robinson gets wrecked. I think that's the title. And his is the worst. He brings me up and down. He even looks at me like, are you alive? <laughs> I mean, it folded me over. That was definitely the worst. I'm pulling it away. Charles Robinson gets wrecked. <laughs> yeah. It's oh, a, wait, it's a Yeah, it's a compilation. Yeah. yeah. Wait, hold on. Yeah. They put a bunch you in here. 
Oh, okay, here's great college. <laughs> just all yeah. compilation of you getting beat up for five <laughs> minutes. That's amazing. I'll find the Sid Vicious I love, one. I love that. I, I love to get bumped, you know. Um, Charlotte Flair at WrestleMania, the big spear. Yep. Uh, fantastic, you know. So I'm just happy that my body has held up all these years and I'm still able to do that. Uh, what's been your favorite finishing move to witness up close? Um, hey, Ric Flair's figure four, they never won a match with. <laughs> <laughs> He'll tell you that. <laughs> and and what's the most memorable finish that you've been in the ring for where you were a referee, not when you were when you were uh you know in the match? Yes. Um Ric Flair, Shawn Michaels, um, when Flair retired. I mean, the fact you know, that you I'm, were in the ring I'm for that counting, is insane. I'm, I'm sobbing, you know. I have the snot bubbles and everything down on the mat. Um, that was probably the biggest finish ever for me. And I've done some really wonderful matches. You know, Cena, AJ, tie-in 16 times. Um, Shawn Michaels retiring. I was able to do that match, luckily. But uh, that one probably stands out more than anything. Yeah. I mean, you got the last Nitro match. You got the last Hogan Goldberg in the dome dang man you honestly when I was looking you when I was looking up like oh just random topics I'm like god he's been the referee for so many iconic matches that like one day you could do a podcast where you're just getting into each one because you've literally been involved in (laughs) like every like just so many iconic matches yeah you know it's not because of something I've done I've I was just lucky enough to be put in that position. So I thank everybody that put me in those positions to be able to do those matches. Well, you say that, but I'll put you over a little bit before we end here, because I think it goes back to what we were saying in the beginning, that you don't like to be the center of attention. You like to help other people shine. And whether you feel that way or not, it's still a gift. I mean, there's so many legendary straight men of all time in acting who have helped set up these zany characters or, you know, help make other people shine but you look at them and you go, this person has so much skill that they are able to be out of, you know, out of focus and not even realize that they're the ones that have done so much to help these iconic people shine. And I think that similar to you, that's what, you know, the job as a referee is staying out of the way, keeping the legitimacy of it. And there's a reason that yeah. you've been part of all those iconic, iconic matches. And it's because you're so good at what you do. So I'm putting well, you over a little thank bit. Thank you for there. saying that. Thank you for saying that. That's very, very nice. Even though my reactions do get a little over the top sometimes, but you know, people always say, why do you react like that? I said, if I saw a fight on the street, that's exactly what I would be doing. I'd be going, Oh, you know, making all these silly faces. I've tried to tone it down. I've tried to stop, but that's my personality. And it's just how I really react to what's going on inside the ring. Well, it works. Don't change anything. I'm going to go watch this (laughs) five minute video of you getting wrecked now. Please do. I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> well, all right. Thank you so much for doing this, dude. I really appreciate it. I'm, I know you don't like talking about yourself, you said, but this was super, very interesting and very entertaining. Well, thank you very much. And to all my referee buddies out there, <clears throat> excuse me, on Raw and SmackDown, I love you. And I hope I get to work with you for many, many more years. Hell yeah. All right, dude. Have a great day. Thanks. Bye-bye. Peace. All right, that was my conversation with Charles Robinson. God, what a cool guy. So much history of pro wrestling in one person. Couldn't be happier to have a conversation with him finally. Like I said, I've been wanting him on the show for so long, and this was finally the perfect time to do it. Super glad. Very good guy. Go follow him. 
Sounds like he wants some more followers. Go follow him. I think it's WWE Robinson. Go check him out. He's super fun on social media, so you should be following him anyway. All right, before we get out of here, let's do a little promotion. If you're on the YouTube channel, I appreciate you watching it. I hope I look all right today. I was at Disneyland yesterday, so I'm a little tired today. Uh, I'll, uh, but I, I appreciate you watching on video regardless, because obviously you want to see Charles Robinson's hair. But if you're watching on video, make sure that you're subscribed to the podcast feed as well. Out of Character, that's where you can find this show in audio form, so you can listen to it whenever. But also, there's Raw and SmackDown Roundup podcast that I do Every week where I'm breaking those shows down segment by segment. So make sure that you're checking those out. And like I said earlier, if you are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe to this channel as well. We got clips from Raw and SmackDown, clips from Out of Character, clips from the Raw and SmackDown Roundup podcast. There's a community tab. Do I have to sell it anymore? Make sure that you are subscribed to the WWE on Fox YouTube channel. Also, make sure you're following us on social media. We're all across social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. If there's another social media app, we're probably there, but go follow us at WWE on Fox. All right, that's it. I'm done, officially tapping out for now. Until next time, I'm Ryan Satin, and this has been Out of Care.